Today we are talking about stuff and how it kind of makes us exist sometimes and how that creates this controlling environment that you live in. And I really just kind of hit on the surface level of that and what we went through with our kids this weekend and how we started their minimalist journey. And that isn't just, so don't tune out if you don't have kids. Okay. I get it. It isn't just about them. I think really more than anything, it's important because it seems like, and this is why we didn't go down this journey with them. It seems like they would have a really hard time with that, would really suffer from a minimalist lifestyle, right? Because kids are access. Kids are a lot. That's what you're told from the second that you have them. And that was the fear, right? Oh no, what if we mess them up because we take all their stuff and both of them are just walking around so much lighter or actually enjoying their spaces that they're in. And that's so huge, right? And so that's why I'm talking about it. Not because you can't, because my story is going to hit you because you have kids. Really because they're kids and they felt lighter because of this. And so that's how I can tell you, you can make it through that. You can do this too, right? And it will have an impact no matter what you do. So we're talking about that. And I kind of dive into how stuff becomes our existence and how dangerous that is or how scary that way of thinking is. And so that's what we're talking about today. Let's go. Have you ever wondered how to live the life that you want? Have you ever sat and really allowed yourself to dream about it and start writing down action steps to go after those things? If you haven't, welcome, because most of us haven't. And I honestly woke up at the age of 30 and realized that I had one dream left for my life and that that wasn't going to be enough and that I couldn't just keep kind of riding the tide of what my life was going to look like. I couldn't just keep signing up for what everyone else had envisioned for my life except for me. And so that year I put my foot down and I said, I want to be about things that I want to be about. I want to say in my life, and if that's something that you need, then this is it. We're coming at you every day, calling for you to live bigger, to cut and overcome your limiting beliefs and to align your life, to have a say, to be that person. If that's what you need, come here. Every day, we have you. Join our community, start rising up, and start taking your life back. You are worth it. You are beyond worth 
everything that you deserve. Everything that you can dream you want for your life, your worth. And that's what we're about here. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. Let's go get it today. Okay. My great thing... Hmm. You know, I think settling down, I had, guys, let me tell you, and I'm not supposed to say guys, sorry, people, let me tell you about what happened. So I go to Walmart. If you've been listening to this podcast, I'm on the search for this yellow cruiser bike. It is supposed to be my existence. I can't get it out of my head. It is all things. And I realize, I realize how ridiculous that is. I also realize that there are plenty of bikes. I also realize that there are many people who wish that they had bikes. I also realize, I realize all of these things. I know, I know I'm a grown adult woman who is endlessly searching for a very specific bike for no real reason at all other than it just reminds me of who I'm supposed to be in this world. So I don't know. It has to happen. Okay. So we go to Walmart. There is a bike. There's a bike. It's a lighter yellow. It's not exactly what I envisioned. It's close. It doesn't have a basket, but I could buy a basket. And so I'm like, okay. And then, and then this is what happens. Then I start convincing myself. Oh no, this is the better bike. This is what you're supposed to do. Look, that other one wouldn't even fit you. And I'm coming up with all these reasons why the perfect one really isn't perfect and why this imperfect one could fit the bill. And then I just make myself pause. And I say, this really is not what we're about, sister. You said you're not settling. So if it's not that bike you envision, then it's not the bike. Keep moving. And so I'm like, you know, maybe it's just not meant to be. Maybe it's just not meant to be that bike. I keep trying. I ordered the bike. I finally found it somewhere. I ordered it. They canceled the order like seven times. I called Walmart. They're like, yeah, we just don't have that bike. You're just going to have to find a different bike. And I'm like, what? I can't. I can't. And... So I didn't buy the imperfect light yellow bike. I just decided, nope, if it's supposed to be, it will happen. And if it's not, it just isn't going to happen. That's how this is going to work. And I talk about not settling and I talk about getting what you want, because if you don't, you're not going to be happy. And that was it. That was it. The whole thing, like... We're not doing this. If that bike is meant to be, it will happen, period, done. And so I just left. I left that light yellow bike. I walked away from it. It was hard, I can promise you, but I do promise you that if it is supposed to come to me, and I know this is ridiculous, but it's sort of a test inevitably. If it's supposed to come to me, it will, period. And so 
I'm just hanging out here, still looking for the bike, still hoping that it will come to me. Um, but still just knowing that I'm not going to settle because what was going to happen with that yellow bike is I was spending more money than I would have spent on the bike that I actually liked. And then I was going to have to add all of these things to make it add up to the other bike. And at the end of the day, it's the wrong color yellow. And it has silver accents. Silver accents? No, not silver accents. Okay, so we can't, we can't, we can't do it. We can't be on that level. We just can't. So I had to keep moving. We moved on. And I think there, and then I had this like anxiety well up in me, like, well, what if that bike goes away? Then you have no yellow bike at all. Are you insane? And I just had to keep settling myself. Like, no, breathe. It will be fine. And I wanted to spend, so Friday we saw it. We almost left with that bike, me and my daughters. We almost left with said bike. And we ended up leaving it. And Saturday, I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back. I wanted to get, I, I was getting other things that I needed, but I wanted to go back Saturday. And I made myself wait to go back until almost the end of the day Sunday, because I think that gave me the time and the space and the breath to realize what I really wanted. And the bike isn't a rush thing, right? I just want a bike. I don't need to have this bike right now. It's okay. And so it's not a rush thing. I need to sit. I need to wait. And I needed to wait to get that bike, period. And so I waited. Sunday I went back and that light yellow bike just didn't look as appealing. Now I have no idea how I get the yellow bike that I want, but I know that it's all going to work out and it's all going to happen. Somehow, somehow it will happen. I don't know how because it's nowhere, but that's, that's the reality, right? So many times we just settle because here's the deal. When I really thought about this bike, if I bought the light yellow and imposter bike, as I shall deem it, if I bought that bike and the other yellow bike came for sale within the year, I would buy the other yellow bike. I know. I know. I really would. So that means I don't really like this bike. It's okay, but it's not the bike. And it's important that no matter what it is, no matter if it's a person, no matter if it's a house, whatever it is, that's what I want you to strive for. And hopefully you don't have to. You're not on a timeline where you have to make a decision and you just have to settle. But at the end of the day, with big purchases, especially big purchases, I want you to stand strong and long-term purchases. So this is a bike that I'm going to have for a long time. I'm not just going to like get a new bike every year. I'm not growing out of it. Okay. Hopefully. 
Um, I'm not going to grow out of it. So it's going to be with me. So don't, I want something. I mean, I remember having this conversation about my engagement ring. It was like, I know, I know we can't find what I'm looking for because, you know, honestly, we can't find it because I'm being so specific and yet so unspecific. And I just kept saying like, well, no, when we find it, I'm not, we're not custom making it because I can't even describe it. Like when we find it, we will know it will all work out perfectly. And the fact that my engagement ring even existed because I couldn't describe it because like designers would say things like, Oh, we can make anything you want. And I was just like, I don't, I don't even know. It's vintage. It's halo set. I mean, perfect world that has a yellow diamond. Um, and they're like, you're, we can make up some things, but you're not going to find that ring. I'm like, okay. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. Bye. And like we were two broke college kids. So that ring, the one that I just described, there's not a chance, even if we found it, could we afford it? And yet, hmm, probably, I don't know, four months of searching every ring store, every ring store, every ring store saying, we can make whatever you want. We'll make it four months. We're sitting at this place. I whisper over to Jordan, Jordan, let's just go. There's nothing here. There's nothing here that we're going to like. Let's just go. He's like, hold on. And the lady sees me whisper and she's like, let me go check the safe, which is, you know, code for, I swear I have gems in here that you've never seen, but they don't. They're basically the same things that are on the floor, but okay, fine. Go back and they check the safe and the most perfect. Amazing. The girl puts one ring on me and I'm like, well, it's closer. And my now husband grabs the engagement ring out of the woman's hand. And he's like, I can't even believe that this exists. And it was perfection. And then everything just happened from there perfectly. I can't even, I can't even. And it was all about waiting, waiting it out. It will happen. It will. It might not happen on your timeline, but it will happen. And so I have to just wait out for this bike. I don't know why. I really just wanted to buy the light yellow bike and let the bike debacle be done. But the light yellow bike is not the bike. It just isn't the bike. Somehow it will happen. It will happen. Okay. So that's my great thing. Go ahead, take time, recognize yourself for your own great things. Because if you don't, life gets hard and low and sad. And it just isn't worth kind of trucking out with this impossible mindset that you aren't enough, that you aren't good, that you aren't beautiful because you are all those things you are. And so it's really important that you start 
actually believing it. And the best way to start believing it is to start talking about it, start writing it, start anything. Just bring it up. Have the conversation. Make greatness a part of who you are. Period. That's it. Sign sealed, delivered. Okay. We're going to dive into our great things. I'm really excited about this. This Friday I talked about minimalizing, minimizing the amount of things we have. And we are going to do that with our children. And this was the first children minimalist journey that we have taken. And it sounds super scary. And the reason that we hadn't done it is we had done this in every room and we had done it with their shoes. Um, but otherwise they had been removed from our minimalist movement because it felt like ours. And it also feels like you can't, don't do that to them. Kids are supposed to have everything that they want. Don't do mean parents. Give them more toys. Fill them up. Give them the things. Stop. That's mean. And that's really where we were with it. We had seen so much movement and simplicity and clarity from doing it with ourselves that I'm surprised that we didn't take this journey sooner, but here we are. So we started on the playroom and that really was like a, a call to arms. And I will post before and afters. I think you'll be amazed. Um, but it was like, we're going through all of this stuff and just realizing how much excess items we have and for no purpose at all. And so I'm talking to my seven-year-old about it and I'm like, here's the thing. Do you even enjoy being in here? No, it's really cluttered. And because there's so much stuff, there's, it's just hard. And what we would notice is they would go into the playroom, they would find things, and then the things would always come out of the playroom. Well, there was no space to be in the playroom really. There was stuff in the playroom, but there wasn't a playroom. There was stuff in a room, but it wasn't available for playing. It was a cluttered mess. And so my seven-year-old did shed some tears like, oh no, we're just getting rid of all this stuff. I'm not kidding. I had three leaf bags, the big, huge ones, yes full of just garbage, unkept markers. And we had all of these drawers and it was like, oh, we need more storage in here. We need more storage. We need to get more organized. But I was just organizing junk that we never used ever. And I would say the only tip that I can give you is if you're just starting on this journey, on a minimalist or less is more type journey, Give yourself a break because it's going to be hard. I would say get rid of a box. And if it's hard to sell or throw away, put that box in your basement somewhere and just see if it frees up something for you, if it lets go of something for you. And if it doesn't, it's just in the basement. Go get it and put it all back, right? But I think what what I found is it was 
significantly freeing. It was like, oh, wow, I don't have to clean all this stuff. Wow, I have so much more time. I can't even think straight. I don't have to do a fall clean out. I don't have to do spring cleaning because everything happens in real time because I'm not managing stuff all the time. We're getting rid of it as it comes in, right? So if I get a new sweatshirt tomorrow, one sweatshirt comes out, we're replacing, we're not adding, 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 adding. And so we did the playroom. The playroom is glorious. It's only partially done. Um, but oh my gosh. And my seven-year-old had tears. I said that. And I'm like, but you are going to discover the toys that you actually enjoy. So we had a kitchen set and we had debated whether or not we want to sell that. And the girls are like, uh, and so we just left it in the house. We left it. We took it out of the playroom. We cleaned it and we put it in the living room and we cleaned up the food and we cleaned up the pots and pans that go with it. And as it was sitting in the living room, the girls played with it more and they played with it and then they decided that they wanted to keep it. And what's important about that is that's just it. You don't have to just throw everything away. Have conversations, give it time, give it space. That kitchen sat in our living room for two days as the girls were deciding whether or not they wanted the money or they wanted the toy. And they decided that they were going to keep their kitchen because yes, indeed, they did enjoy the kitchen. That's great. Keep everything that you want, but you don't need 12 spatulas. Seriously, go check your drawer. I promise you, you have way more than you need. I guarantee it. Guaranteed. Okay. So we keep the kitchen. The playroom is cleaned out three leaf bags full of just garbage, like filled in coloring books, just stuff we were never going to use. Dried up, played up. Guys, I can't, I can't, I can't even explain to you. I really can't. It's honestly, it's terrifying. What's more terrifying is that probably my next step for managing that playroom chaos would have been buying two more sets of drawers. So we could just add more junk, junk. That's all it is. Junk. Heads off of Barbies and LOL doll. I mean, oh my gosh, puzzles that were never going to get put together. Junk, junk, junk. So three bags out. Two entire totes fulls of books that we don't need or read or like we had so many, we couldn't even read what we wanted to because there were so many. So gone, boom, totes, books, gone. Okay. And just a lot of stuff. Then I get to this, there's this, um, rocker, little baby crib that rocks. And it used to be mine growing up. And I'm looking at this crib and I'm trying to remember the story behind this crib. And I can't remember it. No idea where this crib came from. And so I call my mom and my mom doesn't remember the story of this crib either. 
Okay. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, this is from my childhood. This is important. This means, you know, that I existed somewhere. It has my name on it and everything. And I'm just, I'm fighting myself because I'm like, why? What is the significance of this? What is the significance? Now, I have a doll that my grandma made for me. I know that story. I know that there's a lot of significance in that doll. I love that doll. I have so many memories with that doll going places with me. That doll has a story. That doll has significance. This crib only had significance because, I don't know, I think because it meant that I existed somewhere right? Like my name is on it. This was part of my childhood. And I'm like, do I throw this crew? Do I keep it? The girls don't play with it. I don't know that they ever did. I was just keeping it. So I existed. Right. So then I just start having this deeper thought of like, does, is your stuff the only way that you exist? Because eventually stuff is just junk and then it's just garbage and then it's just gone. And if the only way that I exist in everyone's story is from this stuff, I'll be gone. How do I exist? Do I only exist by these toys that are passed down from my childhood? That's scary. Those aren't always going to mean something to people. And so it made me devalue stuff even more than I already did. It made me start to realize that the only reason that I keep some of this stuff is so that someone remembers me. And then I start realizing this podcast is part of my story, is part of my legacy. And I think so many times we decredit our own stories, right? We like knock those down. We're like, nah, you know what? Not good enough. This story, mm, my story is not important. Your story is as important as you make it, right? But I think sometimes we trade stories, we trade presents for things because that story, what that thing says about us is more readily accepted than telling a story, than showing up and being present. You know, it's easier to show up and talk about the new car you just bought than it is to show up and talk about how uninteresting you are, the crappy house that you live in. I mean, you know, get deep with people. I know it's easier, right? You get to be a new topic of conversation if you roll in in your 2020 SUV. Yeah. We exist for a day. Yay. We exist. Oh my gosh. And then it's like, okay, well that felt good. And you don't really get those moments as often in life. And so it's like, okay. So then it kind of becomes a rush. Like, okay, how do I exist next time? What do I have to buy that means something to people? How do I keep this up? I enjoyed that. I enjoyed existing again. It was a nice feeling. 
It's a real thing. It's a real thing, right? I enjoyed people thinking this thing about me. I enjoyed what that did. I enjoyed all of it. And so what I realized with this little crib is this isn't me. This has no significance. There is no reason for this to be here. It brings me no enjoyment, brings my children no enjoyment, may have my name on it, but I don't know who even wrote my name on it. I don't know who made it. I don't know where it came from. My mom doesn't. So what's the story there? What's the significance? What's the importance? There isn't any for me. Okay, so it needs to go. It's just junk. It's junk. It's nothing. And I want to hold on to it because I want it to mean something because I want people to remember me. But again, it's not serving us. It doesn't serve this family. It doesn't serve us at all. It doesn't even serve a story. There's no tie to it. And so it had to go. And we went through and we did the girls' closets. And my seven-year-old, I did the four-year-olds because if she came in there and tried to minimize with me, which normally I involve them in everything, but there would be no reason for her to need to keep a certain dress. And somehow she would convince me. She's a lot like me. I don't know. I can't help it. Oh. So four-year-old didn't come in. The seven-year-old I made go through. She had to make piles of everything. And then we pared down to five pairs of shorts and five pairs of athletic shorts and the right. And then we had to go to her dresses and her dress collection is a prize. Okay. I mean, a full closet of dresses. And she's like, mom, I just, I don't know how I'm going to pick. I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is going to be really hard. I'm like, you know what? I think you're going to feel better because then you will have dresses that you really like, and they won't be piled up on the bottom of your closet floor. So you'll actually be able to see them and enjoy them. So we limited it to five long sleeve dresses, and five short sleeve dresses. And she did it, right? We got her down to 10 dresses. I think she had somewhere around 20 to 25, stupid amount. Usually we ask for clothes for gifts. So um, I think that's why she had so many. I don't know. And I don't know if she had some bailers. I don't know. It got crazy quick. She has a lot of dresses. So we pared it down and she came up to me after and she said, you know, mom, I thought that was going to be really scary, but it actually feels really great. And like, she said that, like it had relieved stress from her. And I'm thinking about how many times, you know, and I know growing up in a cluttered environment, how taxing stuff was to me, how taxing abundance and overabundance was to me. I remember living in a room, in a bedroom that was, that had the junk closet. And it was just piles and piles of stuff. And you could never get back there. And it was always impossible. And you could just climb up all the junk to get whatever it is you were looking for. But you couldn't even go back there. So you really didn't get anything out of there. So it was just a closet of junk. And 
that's a lot of weight, right? And everything. And I watched my mom constantly manage junk, manage junk, manage junk. And she spent so much of her time and it felt so overwhelming. And I just don't want that same taxing nature on my kids if I can help it, right? And so that's part of the reason for the commitment to minimalizing and decluttering is I remember how overwhelming spaces were for me growing up. And I just don't want that for my kids. And so when we went through this minimalist journey this weekend um, with our kids, I was so shocked to hear from my seven-year-old that this actually lifted weight for her too. Because I thought it would be the complete opposite. Honestly, when we started talking about getting rid of dresses, I just thought she was going to burn me at the stake. Not going to lie. But I think at the end of the day, all of us crave clarity and simplicity and beautiful spaces to thrive. And that's what we had given them back. That's what we're going to give them back in that playroom. Um, That's what they just got back in their closets. Now they can actually see their clothing in their dressers in these spaces. And there's, there's a level of simplicity. And there's also an understanding of need, right? If she grows out of her 10 dresses, she will need 10 dresses to replace them. Whereas before it was like, you couldn't even keep track of what dress fit, what dress didn't, what needed. Now it's in and out. Okay. We get new dresses at Christmas. Those replace the long sleeve dresses, then come over to Baylor's closet. I don't know. It seems like a crazy way to live, but I've already seen weight lifted from both kids, four and seven. So As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, thank you so much for listening today and every day. Seriously, this is my life work. This is what I've always dreamed to do. And you showing up and listening makes my dream come true and pushes me even harder to help other people realize that they're capable of living their dreams too. So thank you. If you want to and feel so compelled to sharing always helps to spread the message. So go ahead and get social. You can find the death of a dream everywhere. TikTok, uh, YouTube, I actually do a live recording of this podcast. If you want to see my uh, mannerisms, you can go over and head and check that out. I also do a daily vlog there of kind of my mental state in making myself a motivator. So you can go over there and check that out. All those things can be found at the death of a dream. Kind of the... Um, Visual makeup of what I speak to can be found on Pinterest, again, at the death of a dream. I know, it's crazy. Uh, And on TikTok, actually. So go ahead and search me out on all your socials. And I hope to see you there. If this helped you in any way, share it on your socials. Tag me at the death of a dream. 
Um, I would love to see what this is meaning to you. And, and go ahead and like and review this podcast. That's how you keep podcasts alive and give back to your favorite podcaster. So thank you so much for being here. I love and value this community so much.